The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor teacher, Harry Reeder. And look with me now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed or agnostic. I don't want you to be uninformed or, or as the NAS says, ignorant. You know that when, this is prior to your conversion, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service. Let me change that for you. Again, the NAS, I think, is a little bit more accurate. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of, and again, I'm going to make a change. There are varieties of effects, or as the ESV says, activities. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. I've done this uh, deep dive, obviously, into the four texts. Our ministry theme is this, after a lifestyle stewardship for a couple of years, we're now focused in the area of spiritual gifts, the stewardship of spiritual gifts. Following the admonition of Peter, who says, as each one has received a spiritual gift, let him employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God or the multi-varieties of God's grace manifested in these gifts. Let him who speak, speak the word of God. Let him who serve, serve in the strength which God supplies. And... Um, so that uh, that call to the stewardship of spiritual gifts brings us to study what does God say to us. Now, there's a couple of texts in the Old Testament that are helpful, and I hope to get there. But there are four key texts for us from the ministry of Peter and Paul. The one I just quoted from Peter in First Peter chapter 4, in verses 10 and 11. And then these studies that we're doing in First Corinthians 12, and then Romans 12, and then in Ephesians 4. And as I've done this deep dive, it just, it really, just this week in a very fresh and powerful way, one of the things that became obvious to me was the pastor's heart of Peter and Paul in this. That they had, this is manifesting their pastor's heart. It would have been so easy perhaps to say, okay, y'all go do this, do this, and do this. But they're not doing that. First of all, they are pastorally unpacking the old way of thinking that is preventing their proper understanding and use of spiritual gifts. 
then they are giving them a biblical understanding that is from the Word of God, a different world and life view, and how it applies to spiritual gifts when the gospel has wrapped up your life. And they're taking the time to do that in a rather painstaking way. Now, let me just say, as we work through each one of these, there'll be some redundancy. Uh, but, uh, but I think that that's in the, te- that's in the Bible for emphasis so that we don't miss uh, some things that are absolutely crucial. And what I want, what I want you to see is this pastor's heart, but I want to give you a little backdrop. Why would they be so concerned? that we get our theology of spiritual gifts right before we start the practice of spiritual gifts. Now, I think there's a couple of reasons. There's a number of reasons. I want to just give you two this morning as we come back to this text in 1 Corinthians 12. The first one is this. Satan loves it when God's people are uninformed. And what God has done is that God has given us the means of grace in worship, in preaching, in fellowship, in discipleship, and all of those things so that we may be informed. The Christian life is not intuitive. It is built not on our imagination and our intuition. It is built upon divine revelation and the Holy Spirit's illumination. And so, uh, and so, but whenever that's not there, Satan has a field day. Even at Corinth, they've written a question about spiritual gifts because their old way of thinking and living as pagans, they were messing up this thing about spiritual gifts. And by the way, it wasn't the only thing. They'd messed up the Lord's Supper. They'd messed up biblical sexuality. I mean, they were even calling good a man having intimate relationships with his, um, with his father's widow who was likely his stepmother and uh, and they were calling that good in fact they were saying if you don't understand that you haven't really reached into the depths of quote knowledge in the beginning uh, impact of what was called gnosticism in those days and so this is this is working this pagan world in life the pagan world in life view that's devoted to the dramatic to the exotic to the ecstatic that that was imp- that was impacting the way they saw everything even the lord's supper became times of uh, of drunkenness and times of um, of of um of um of of demeaning others who don't have what you have and so he's, he's got these seven issues he's trying to correct, and one of them was the matter of spiritual gifts. Brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to inform you. I want to inform. I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to be informed. From what? God's divine revelation. Because if Satan gets a foothold in any area of the Christian life, particularly things so essential, such as spiritual gifts, if he gets that foothold, he can take it anywhere, even to the damnation of souls. Well, Harry, how can spiritual gifts lead to the damnation of souls? Well, go read the Sermon on the Mount and get to the end of it. And when you get to the end of it, Jesus says he's coming and there'll be a day of judgment. And at the day of judgment, what did he say? Many, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do ministries of power in your name? 
Did we not do wondrous things in your name? In other words, they will come to the judgment seat deceived by Satan, thinking that spiritual gifts administered is what saves them. That spiritual gifts bring salvation. I pray God allows me to preach good sermons. But none of my preaching is going to get me to heaven. I pray God he'll help Cindy and I be, have the gift of giving. But my giving and our giving is not going to get us into heaven. But Satan can take these things and say, hey, they're there for you. The ecstatic, the dramatic, the exotic. Or if you do them, God owes you heaven. And notice it's not just a few who are going to be on that day. It says many, many will say to me on that day. Deceived thinking their administration of spiritual gifts is what saved them. So, brothers, I think, I think you're seeing the pastor's heart here with Peter and Paul. This is not, this is, they are trying their best to do, captivated by the Word of God, asking the Spirit of God to let the teaching of the Word of God go to work in the lives of the people of God. And there, I hear you said two reasons. There's another reason. Where is the presence of Jesus in this world? He's at the right hand of the Father in his incarnate body. How does he walk through this world? Through the body of Christ. Each member gifted, functioning together, brings the presence and power of Christ to this world. So he wants the church to be able to run for Christ because the legs are showing up. He wants them to go clearly and emphatically for Christ because the eyes are showing up. The hands are showing up. The arms are showing up. All of the members of the body of Christ, these spiritual gifts, are, are, are in place and functioning, discovered, developed, and deployed. So that now the body of Christ is going throughout the whole earth. I mean, that's where we are just two weeks away from our missions conference, aren't we? In which the body of Christ finds those gifted not only to evangelize and teach and plant churches, but do it cross-culturally for our world missions. That's a special gift. And that comes in the body of Christ and from the body of Christ, from the Lord, that the power of Christ, that the proclamation of Christ, that the preeminence of Christ would go throughout the world through the body of Christ. So on the one hand, he doesn't want people to be deceived to the damnation of their souls that spiritual gifts save. On the other hand, he wants spiritual gifts to be fully employed and enjoyed and used because with those, the gospel is proclaimed throughout the world by the body of Christ. So Peter takes the time to give us five framing principles. Pastor Peter Knowing we're going to be under assault, writes to the churches up in Galatia, and he's telling them, here are five things that you need to know. But before I give you that, let me remind you our working definition on spiritual gifts. Um, I I thought you might have it memorized, but I have to confess I don't. So let me read it to you. 
A spiritual, spiritual, a spiritual gift is a God-designed and God-delivered ministry resource from God to be used in concert with other believers, not alone. Hands don't work alone. they got to be fastened to an arm that's fastened to a torso. So in concert with other believers, enabling Christ's church to effectively exalt Christ by staying on mission, on message, and in ministry. Why? For the glory of God. And and we're in the midst of adversity. That we do not get, we do not expect parades in this world. We expect persecution. But the body of Christ continues to work together. Even though Satan will do everything he can to divide it, he will do everything he can to detour it, he'll do everything he can to deter it. And so what we say is, no, we are united in Christ. The body, with all of the diversity, doesn't divide. The body functions in unity together with one, mes- with one mission, one message, and the ministries to accomplish that that he has given to us. So here are the five things. I'm just going to remind them to you. Number one, Christians got talent. Each and every Christian has a spiritual gift. Number two, spiritual gifts are received. They are not invented. They are received. We don't invent our spiritual gift. It is given to us by God. And therefore, God designs it and God delivers it. Number three, Christians are to steward their gifts. We don't own them. We use them. He owns us and he owns our gifts and we use them for him as good stewards. Number four, Peter gives us two that you take all of the gifts. I've counted 19 mentioned in the Bible. I think there are more and I'll tell you why I think there are more uh, in the next week or so. But Christians are to steward these gifts, and they are found in two interdependent categories. Peter says there are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. Now, speakers have to serve, and servants have to speak. But he puts them in two interdependent categories. Then, um, And then number five, there are two indispensable resources. When you speak, you speak the word of God. When you serve, you serve by the strength which God supplies, which is the Holy Spirit. Then we came to first. 1 Corinthians 12 last week, and we downloaded three of what I am anticipating. I always leave room for the Lord to show me something I haven't yet seen. What I anticipate to be ten principles of understanding. Paul now, Peter gave us the framework. Paul is now filling in the gaps. And Paul is filling in the gaps with principles for understanding. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. So what is it you need to know? He says, well, the first thing, here's what we looked at last week. The first thing you need to know is conversion clarity. Spiritual gifts are for spiritual people. You have to be born again. The Holy Spirit has to work in your life so that you now say, not Jesus is a curse, but Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit has to give you that ability. So spiritual gifts, now again, we're not talking about natural talents. Everybody has natural talents. You have natural talents. What we're talking about are spiritual gifts. When the Holy Spirit has come, brought you from death into life to Christ, then the Holy Spirit takes up residence. You are baptized with the Holy Spirit, signed, sealed into the union with Christ, and you are being sanctified by the Spirit, and you are being sent by the Spirit. That Spirit is now working within you a spiritual gift that you have. I, I 
believe it's a constellation of gifts that are fashioned as a gift, but that's, that's yet to come. So you have that spiritual gift, but you can't have a spiritual gift until you have the Holy Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes sure that you know Christ has you. Jesus is Lord. So that's the first thing that he said. The second thing that he said is discipleship. Discipleship necessity. That's one of the reasons I love our study in this because it highlights discipleship, which is our mission to go and make disciples. For God's glory, Briarwood is committed to equipping Christians to worship God and to reach Birmingham to reach the world for Christ. Now, I'm going to say something that probably some of you may feel a little jagged edges here. But discipleship is not, I know most of us, when we think discipleship, we think one-on-one, life-on-life. And yes, there is one-on-one. But that's not all of discipleship in the body of Christ. That's one element of it. Discipleship in the body of Christ includes what I'm doing right now. Discipleship in the body of Christ includes what you're going to do after this. In a, in a, in a congregational community, a Sunday school community, and in the fellowship that you're doing. The means of grace have been given to the body of Christ to carry out discipleship. And Jesus shows it as he gets with the multitudes, as he gets with the 70, as he gets with the 12, as he gets with the three, and every once in a while, for a season and a reason, he'll pull somebody off one on one. Discipleship is a cascade. Of the word of God and the spirit of God. The cascade begins from the pulpit. That's what Peter and Paul are doing right now. There, this is a sermon that is recorded for us. For the people of God. It's discipleship. It is pulling the trigger of discipleship. It is the cannonade of discipleship. And as as Paul and Peter are doing this, and as God's word is preached, then the cascade goes into a smaller group, and then into a smaller group, and then when necessary, one-on-one. The church has been given the means of grace for discipleship. So that the life of Christ through the lives of others impacts our life so that it is lived only for Christ and effectively for Christ and passionately for Christ. So what they're doing in preaching is part of discipleship. Then it goes down to another level, and then it goes down to another level, and then it goes down to another level. We, In other words, the church has been given the means of grace, preaching, worship, fellowship, sacraments, um, the small group discipleship, the one-on-one discipleship. All of those things are means of grace to win people to Christ, to train people for Christ. And to send people into the world as salt and light for Christ. And that's what they're saying. Discipleship necessity. And discipleship in its full-orbed church sense. Now understand there are parachurch ministries that will take uh, certain aspects of discipleship that the church does. But the church has a full-orbed cascading effect of discipleship. In terms of information and relationships in the context of the body of Christ. Number three, 
Number three, he says you're to be God-glorifying and self-denying. That the spiritual gifts aren't there to make something about us, but to for us to die to ourselves, be owned by Christ, and use them for the glory of God. Spiritual gifts, I'm going to say it twice this morning, spiritual gifts are doxological. They're there for the praise of God. That's why we have to die, to properly use them. To the glory of God and the benefit of others. Now let me give you another one from the text this morning. Number number four. Trinitarian ministry of Christ's church. The body of Christ. There is a Trinitarian ministry of Christ's church with spiritual gifts. Look, if you would, back to those verses I read uh, for you. uh, Starting at verse uh, four. Go, Go back there. Take a look. Now there are a variety of gifts, but what? Same spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God. God the Father who is empowering all of them in everyone. That that is at work in the context of the body of Christ. It is a Trinitarian theology. Brothers and sisters, I don't think I can say this enough. We have a tendency because of our, we have a tendency because of our um, humanity, our frailties. We have a tendency just to bring focus. So sometimes as we serve our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, We get fascinated with the dynamics of the Father's ministry or the Son's ministry or the Spirit's ministry. And we forget to maintain the Trinitarian presence of God in our lives and in our ministries. And Paul is rooting this back. Who is delivering it? Who is heart delivering the spiritual gift? The Holy Spirit. But notice Paul doesn't want you just to look to the Holy Spirit. He wants you to look from the Holy Spirit back to Jesus. Jesus is the one that designed the ministries for those spiritual gifts to work. And then he doesn't want you just to look from the Spirit to Jesus. He wants you to look from the Spirit to Jesus to Jesus to the Father who sent him for the effects of these ministries. That we have a Trinitarian. When we worship today, it needs to be Trinitarian. The Father seeks true worshipers. And we worship through Jesus, declaring his preeminence. And we worship in the Spirit. And when we're in the Spirit, he points us to Jesus. And and Jesus saved us to the glory of the Father. So that we're to think Trinitarian in worship. We're to think Trinitarian in prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, pray how? Our Father. We pray to the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. Now, let me stop, because I know some people right now know where your mind's running. Because mine runs the same place. Well, can I worship Jesus? Yes. Can I worship the Holy Spirit? Yes. But in the, let me use textile language from a guy that grew up in a textile country. The warp and woof of Christianity is Trinitarian. It's Trinitarian. There is not an imbalance of how we deal with the doctrine of God. 
And so, uh, and so as we rejoice in each person of the Trinity, we understand how the Trinity has worked in our life, in our creation. The Father authored it. The, everything came into existence through Jesus and for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit hovered over the creation to bring order to it. In providence, the Father is going to cause all things to work together for good through the intercession of Jesus from the groanings of the Holy Spirit on your behalf. There is a Trinitarian way. I believe that's why most of your hymns, these hymns that have you know, a shelf life of 100 and 200 and 300 years, they're not just testimonial or not just focused on one person. Notice how many of them are Trinitarian. Look at our great creeds, Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Trinitarian. And spiritual gifts are to be understood Trinitarian. God has authored the effect of your gift. Jesus has designed the ministries for your gift. And the, and the Holy Spirit has brought those gifts to you. And when you minister your gift, it is a manifestation of the Spirit of God within you to serve Christ in His ministries for the glory of the Father. I'm going to give you one more, one more statement, uh, from this. So we've now, have, we'll have five of our ten principles of understanding. Here is the fifth one. And the fifth one is spiritual gifts are God delivered. They are God-designed, and they are God-directed. They are God-delivered, God-designed, God-delivered, God-designed, and God-directed. The the Father and the Son and the Spirit are at work to deliver the gift, to, to design the gift, and to direct the gift. The Father has directed the effects of your spiritual gift. The Father has directed, the, Jesus has created the ministries whereby our gifts function. And the Holy Spirit gives us the gifts as a resource to use in the Jesus-designed ministries and the Father's directed effects. That's why when you see things like the, the parable of the talents... God has determined for whatever reason. He has determined in his own sovereign purposes for his own glory that some of his people he's going to give two talents. Some of them he's going to give five talents. He's got an effect for some and an effect for others. And this is a sovereign act of a sovereign God. Why? We do not invent our gifts. We do not originate our gifts. God originates the gifts, designs the gifts, delivers the gifts, and directs the use of that gift. And if you have a preaching gift that God uses to reach 10,000 people, praise the Lord. If you have a preaching gift that God uses to reach 100 people, praise the Lord. Just use your gift for Christ to his glory. God's designed the the effects of it. God will determine the breadth and the depth and the expanse of it. What we want to do is use it. Whatever he's given to us. We're going to find something starting next week. 
We have an unbelievable propensity to being jealous of those whom God has given greater effects. Or we have an unbelievable propensity to self-pity if we don't have it to the effect we think it ought to be for us. But what, if we're Trinitarian focused and doxological in our gifts, then we just give God praise for that. And we say, God, if you gave me two drums, just let me beat these drums to the best of my ability and not be envious of the guy you gave five drums to. This is what God has called me to do. My job is not to envy someone who has a, who has a similar gift with larger effects. That's not my, that's not my, that shouldn't occupy me. I need to thank the Lord that is using them. That's what I need to think, do. And what I need to do is stay focused on how can I use mine to the glory of God in a way that will give honor and testimony to the God who has given all good and perfect gifts. Well, all I, um, I just, um, um, uh, what I wanted to, to do with this is just to take just a brief moment in this uh, affirming the Trinitarian nature of the gifts and how they come simply to remind us our job is not to originate a gift, but to discover the gift he's given us. Then we want to develop that gift. You remember when Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift that's been given to you. And then thirdly, I want to deploy that gift. And I hear, you know, one of the things a pastor wants to be assertive where God is assertive. And he wants to not be assertive where God has not been assertive. And I'm about to say something. I want to be assertive because I'm pretty convinced this is what God's saying. But I don't have enough footnoting in the Bible to feel comfortable be overly assertive. I think what the Bible teaches us in the Great Commission, that each one of you have a special, unique spiritual gift, and you are to put it in the ministries that Christ has placed within his church. I believe there are four basic ministries. There's the ministry of upreach, worship. There's the ministry of outreach, evangelism. There's the ministry of inreach, enfolding, and assimilation. And there's the ministry of downreach. This is not new. You've heard this from me before, which is, um, which is a disciple-making ministry. Now, I am willing for somebody to tell me, no, there's more ministries that Jesus has designed than that. But as I look at the life that Jesus did, he worshiped, he evangelized, he enfolded, the Sunagoge, the coming together ones, his church, the family of God. And then he kept teaching and modeling and mentoring that they would grow deeper in the word of God in groups of three and twelve and seventy and larger. And I believe that's where we are. Let me just take it one step further with you. And I've got to come back to this, so I hope you'll allow me to and not see it simply as repetition or redundancy. Every one of us are called to worship, right? Let me do that again. Every one of us are called to worship. Amen? Every one of us are called to evangelize. Amen? 
Every one of us are called to love one another and assimilate and enfold, right? Every one of us are called. Y'all are getting a little weaker now. Every one of us, every one of us are called to be discipled and to disciple others, right? Amen. Don't, don't forget that. But now here's what we got to remember. Some people are gifted in worship and allow, and God uses them to facilitate our worship. Some people are gifted in evangelism and God allows them to facilitate and assist us in our evangelism. My goodness. I've had guys that I've known in my ministry. I had one guy at, um, in uh, Charlotte. Every time I met him, while he was waiting on me, he would have led three people to Christ before I get there. I'd get there. I mean, I'd talk to him and everything. I'd say, well, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you later. He talks to him and says, any reason why you shouldn't receive Jesus? No, let's pray. And that, I had an uncle like that, my uncle Edgar. He'd walk down the street. I mean, he'd, are you saved? No, he said, well, let me tell you about it. And then before we leave, he's led that guy to Christ. I go down the street. Are you saved? I get hit in the head. I, that, he's just an amazingly gifted guy. So I believe that there are people that we all worship, we all evangelize, we all love one another, and we all are learning and helping others learn in disciple-making. But some are gifted to facilitate our worship. Some are gifted in evangelism. Some are gifted in enfolding, assimilation, shepherding, all of those things. And some are gifted in the area of disciple-making. And then they then set the pace for the rest of us. And that's what he's talking about, I believe, with ministries. Jesus has ordained the ministry of upreach worship, outreach evangelism, inreach assimilation, downreach disciple making. And I, and that's what I think what he's saying. Now, the Father has determined in his sovereign decrees the extent, the breadth, and the height and the width of our ministries as we're faithful. And don't downplay it. You've all heard the example. Peter, he preaches 3,000. Andrew, he preaches, well, five or six Gentiles come to Jesus at the temple. His brothers brought to Jesus. But wait just a minute. It was Peter that preached in the 3,000. But who preached and got Peter to Jesus? Andrew. So praise God for Andrew. God's got this tapestry of our effects. And so what we want to do is nurture the gift, discover, develop, and deploy it in the ministries that Christ has called us to, in the church. Some of those, now watch, some of those ministries are internal in the body of Christ, and some of them are external, reaching into the world as we move the body of Christ into the world. And then, uh, and then we give, and then God determines the effects. Now watch, God determines the effects of our gift in Christ's ministry, in the body of Christ, for His glory. It's not about us. I want bigger effects. It's not about us. It's about Him. And if God has said, Harry, here's the drums you're going to beat. Here's the sound it's going to make. And that'll be for my glory. Then I need to be content. In the effects, even as I have a holy discontentment in my own performance, God help me do it better. Help me do it better. 
But the effects I leave to him because it's from him to him and are all things for him. So let me give you, let me conclude with a a brief uh, takeaway for you. Spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are our God-given resources to accomplish our God-given mission as Christ's church, the body of Christ. I, I wanted to maybe restate it for you. So let me put it. I did, I, that was my original. And I, I love that. But let me give you this. Spiritual gift gifts are not for salvation. I'm not saved because I've done gift, a spiritual gift ministry. Spiritual gifts are not for salvation. They're for the saved. To proclaim the Savior to the world. As the body of Christ. There is a wonderful passage of scripture, Acts 1-1. Luke, having wrote the gospel of Luke, while Paul was in prison in Jerusalem and Caesarea by the sea. Later, as Paul is in prison in Rome, he writes the book of Acts. And when he writes it, he says, the very first verse, he writes it to the same person, Theophilus which may be a generic name because it means lover of God, Theo, God, Phyllis, uh, lover. But it may be just an individual person. In fact, it may be a, a, a politician, a statesman, because <laughs> he gives him a statesman title, O Most Excellent Theophilus. And he says to him, this is the second volume I have written to you. The first volume, Gospel of Luke, 33-year life of Jesus was what Jesus, now listen, was what Jesus began to do and teach. Now we move from the volume on the incarnate body ministry of Christ to the book of Acts, the indwelt body of Christ, his church, which is what Jesus is continuing to do and teach. How is Jesus to be declared preeminent, prominent, proclaimed? How is Jesus, who in his incarnate body is at the right hand of the Father, how is he to be present in this world for his mission to be completed, his message to be proclaimed, his ministries to be implemented? us and he has gifted us as individual members of his body to be joined together for the building up of the body in Christ until it all grows into the headship of Christ and mission accomplished it has not only not only in his incarnate body did he secure our salvation now In his indwelt body, he is sending the message to bring his people. Don't you love missions coming? To bring his people from every tribe and nation. Can I do it a little bit negatively? I don't want to be negative, but I'm going to be a little bit negative. In a couple of weeks, God willing, we're going to to encourage, bless, and send our missionaries out as forays of the body of Christ with the message of the kingdom. It's not right for us to send them out for their gifts and their ministries to the effects that God has ordained 
if we aren't using our gifts in the body of Christ to honor Christ and declare the preeminence of Christ, declare the presence of Christ. We want people to feel Jesus, hear Jesus, and come to Jesus through the gifts he's given us in the body of Christ on mission, on message, in ministry. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time together in your word. Would you take these few moments and speak to the hearts of your people, Jesus? Just speak to their hearts. Um, may they see, first of all, the glory of their triune God in creation, in redemption, in providence. God, as they pray, may they also see their triune God, Holy Spirit, giving the gift. Jesus providing the ministry in the body of Christ. And the Father ordaining the effect for each Christian, each church. And it's all doxological. It's all to the glory of Christ. Today, if you want to pray with someone about having a personal relationship with Christ as your Lord and Savior. After we give the benediction and sing, there will be some brothers and sisters up here who would love to pray with you. If there are areas of your life that you want to address, either affected by the sermon or affected by the challenges you're facing, please feel free to come and pray with these prayer partners. Now, Jesus, guide us as we go to our communities. Guide us as we scatter into the world. Help us to enjoy the praise of our God on the Lord's Day morning and evening. And may the body of Christ move powerfully for the preeminence of Christ, the proclamation of Christ, and bring the presence of Christ savingly to this world. And Lord, whether we eat or drink or use our spiritual gifts, may it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.